What's going on and welcome into Thursday's episode of All Canadian. Connor O'Neill joining me and it's time to recap and move on from what is the Labor Day Classic weekend. We had some RSAC action out in Quebec and we had a whole lot of football games going on in the CFL that certainly lived up to the rivalry matches. Connor, how are you doing today? Man, I am great. I've spent the last like three, four days on a dock on the water. I watched all the Labor Day Classic games from the water, the RSEC games on the water. Man, I'm living right now. I cannot complain. The only thing I can complain about is uh, the connection. So if I drop out or if I cut out, I'm in the middle of nowhere right now. And when we talk about football, we do have to mention Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle tech. The Canadian Football Perspective podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40. If you haven't yet, go on and check out some of their newest innovations like the tri-layer whistle mask and the whistle gator to get back to football. Use code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your order. And now, Connor, let's talk our sec. Before we dive into our little bit of news and notes, we might have one topic here. Uh, we are recording a day early than normal, so not too, too much to go through, but RSEC, Laval, 33-7 to win over Concordia, and McGill squeaking one out for that first win of the year, 21-18 over Sherbrooke. What do you think of the games? Some great RSEC action going on over the weekend. We had some questions about Laval last week following their game against McGill. Were they rusty? Is this a different Laval team? Those questions were answered. They played great against Concordia. Flip side of that coin, though, McGill looked very good against Sherbrooke, and they they held their own against Laval last week. So I think this is a McGill team that we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, this is two weeks now in a row where we've kind of questioned McGill, and I don't think it's questioning anymore. I think they are ready to be that third team in Quebec that can really contend with Montreal and Laval. So shout out to the guys, the Redbirds. I was going to use the former name for them, but... Uh, kudos to McGill. Definitely a strong showing in week two. Glad to see them get that first dub of the year. Yeah, no doubt. And they looked very good doing so. Throwing the ball all over the place. They were able to run the rock very well. Encouraging to see. Yeah, and let's move to the CFL now. But before we get there, Ottawa Red Blacks on Tuesday, round noon, they have not only gone to extend their vaccination policy, but now it is vaccine mandatory. No longer can you get into a Red Blacks or OSEG-owned game with a negative COVID test. So you need to show proof of full vaccination in order to be at the stadium. I think it's a great move by the team, by the organization, and it's the right move as we stare down the teeth of this fourth wave Delta variant that we're fending off with vaccination rates at this point. Yeah, I, I have to agree at this point, it's do everything we can to keep the players on the field, to keep the CFL going through the 2021 season. And we're seeing more and more, not just sports events, but you know, more places across Canada go to a mandatory vaccination or like proof of vaccination. So, you know, great to see it happening in Ottawa, especially when there's certain there's certain stadiums in the CFL right now that are mandating proof of vaccination already. And now let's talk about the week five games. I mean, 
We'll start in Ottawa. I was there. Marc-Antoine Decois unfortunately got hurt. I think he would have had that interception, though, early on in the game if he had not injured his hand. But the Montreal I was Alouettes. Screaming. I know I was I was I was so <laughs> fresh. I was like, oh, that's his spot. But uh for the Montreal Alouettes, we saw an explosion of offense. Uh it was really the only way to sum it up. Stand back, Jeshren Antwi running over guys left, right, and center. Eugene Lewis, Jake Weineke, I mean Cunningham, everyone's making plays downfield. Uh this is the type of offense we expected from Montreal. And it still had that big play element that they're known for. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch that game over the weekend. Maybe not so much fun if you're an Ottawa fan, but you know, I know both you and I started, you started Jake Weineke, I started Eugene Lewis, respectively. Both guys had huge days for Montreal in that game. I mean, Jake Weineke got me 30 fantasy points. Yeah, I think Eugene Lewis was around that for me. I think he was in the 28-29 range. I think it was the return yards for Weineke that that edged you a little bit <laughs> no no it was the multiple touchdown game that got him over the top um, hey eugene lewis had two yeah they were nice as well but no with <laughs> yeah, ottawa with ottawa we saw them go to dom davis and this happened after matt nichols ground balled a check down a flat route and i was sitting there with my friend and my buddy goes how the hell do you miss that throw into the dirt like it's one thing to throw it high and wide to the flat but to ground ball it like that to the short side of the field on a one yard route. Come on. How does that happen? I mean, Dom Davis has to be the starter now, right? Like he has to be, you have to roll with Dom Davis going into week six here. If you're Ottawa, you need to do something to try to jumpstart that offense. Well, it's one touchdown in three weeks, three touchdowns in one week when nickel starts compared to when Dom Davis starts. Um, I, I mean, We'll see because we know what Dom Davis was from last year, right? Like, I don't think he's the long-term answer in Ottawa by any stretch of the means. But in the short term, he's one hell of an option compared to Matt Nichols. At least you're threatening teams downfield now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And we, you know, we talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. And we said, at least Dom Davis isn't afraid to take the shots downfield and throw the interceptions. Dom Davis, when he was in the game, Looked very good for Ottawa, all things considered. Flip side of that, Nate Bahar looked great again this week with Dom Davis throwing him the ball. I mean, Mr. Reliable has arrived to play in the nation's capital. This is what I talked about preseason. This is what I've been talking about. He fits the Sinopoli role in their offense. He got vultured uh, on a couple touchdowns, I think. Uh, but for Nate Bahar, like, over the middle, he's strong enough. He's willing to go in. He's tough enough to make the grabs and take a hit as well. He's also a great route runner out of the slot, and he's willing to help in run game and run blocking. So I will hear no more Nate Bahar slander. None. No, no more. This is exactly what he should be doing in the CFL, and it's how he's going to continue to leave his mark in the game because really, art like, He's one of their biggest receivers. I know they have Marco Dubois, who's a giant vertically, but like in terms of strength, in terms of size, Nate Bahar is a strong guy. Like he's not a skinnier receiver by any stretch of the means, and he's willing to take the hits over the middle. And when you're trying to move the ball the way Matt Nichols has, you need someone willing to take hits underneath 
Uh, and then with Dom Davis, like that's going to open more windows for him in the intermediate routes, which you saw last Friday night. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Nate Bahar is earning the trust of his quarterbacks. He's earning the trust of Paul Lapolis as a, a true pass catching option and not just a pass catching option, but, you know, maybe a 1B, 1A, number two type guy. The other thing I want to say about Bahar, too, is, you know, we were talking about physicality and being willing to take hits over the middle. But when you were there in person, you had to have noticed it. He's just so willing to engage in a block, whether it's a run or a pass, when he knows the ball is not coming his way either. Yeah, he wants to, I mean, I hope everyone in the CFL wants to help their teammates get extra yardage. I know sometimes you hear that in the NFL about guys playing for themselves, but Napahar, you really see that he he stands there in the field and dominates guys at the point of attack for a block. I mean, we know how much he benched at the CFL Combine. It's not like that strength magically disappeared. Yeah, no, certainly not. The dude is strong, and when he gets his hands on you, look out. When he gets his hands on a ball, look out. Let's move on now. Second game of the week, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Connor, is there uh, something was, that you would like to say? Yeah, I was going to say you want to take your you want to take two minutes here and just like rip off. And I told you so because I'll just sit here and listen. DT will just sit here and listen. Austin will sit here and listen. Marshall will sit here and listen. Mello will sit here and listen. Like you know, take take your time here. Shine in your sun. No, no. As Doug Gottlieb says. I don't hate to say I told you so. I love to. But <laughs> go ahead. I'm not I'm not gonna gloat. I'm not gonna gloat. They play again this week. It could be a completely different game. Saskatchewan could come out and play lights out, but Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffco, those guys were oh, all dude. over the field. I don't think Fajardo could step into a single throw all night. And maybe if he could, he was so gun shy by the fact that those guys were breathing down his neck. He was still kind of fading off the back foot. Um, with Winnipeg, though, Andrew Harris, again. Like, how is this guy still moving and still breaking this many tackles at, what, 33, 34 years old now? Dude, I had, with the no defense thing in CFL Fantasy, I had the budget to start Andrew Harris, and I didn't do it. I'm kicking myself after that game because he looked – Great. He Great. He, he really did. And I expect when they come back to Winnipeg, Saskatchewan's going to make Andrew Harris number one priority because Zach Calaris, a lot of their offense and the big deep shots was Andrew Harris being a decoy at, in some form or fashion. I, I was so happy to see Winnipeg win this game, but it was sloppy. A lot of the play this week was sloppy. I mean, we'll get to Hamilton, Toronto in a second, but a lot of Winnipeg was, and Saskatchewan was just forced plays, turnovers. And then we move into Ontario with the Ticats and the Argos. And what a penalty-filled game from the Toronto team. Yeah, man. Yeah, like what, what happened to the Argos? They were giving up so, like, so many ghost yards and negative yards on penalty flags, on taking dumb penalties, on, you know, really trying to be this like this aggressor or this intimidator in this game and Hamilton's like that's cool we'll take the yards and we'll keep scoring on you guys if if that's what you want to do like I I don't understand 
just some of the terrible penalties that Toronto was taking through this game. I mean, they had three unsportsmanlike conducts uh, in the first half, like three 15-yard penalties. That swings – that is almost a half of a field in penalty yeah. yards. Like you're swinging the game in, in a very poor manner for your team. And then Hamilton capitalized. They pinned them in field position. Oh, let's get a pick six for Simone Lawrence by way of Santos Knox, who had the great swat at the line. Oh, we've got you pinned deep again. Well, Frankie Williams is going to return one of the house. Like they capitalized where we have not seen Hamilton play predominantly well so far this year, uh, as AKA the return game, which has been quieter than normal. I know quiet for Hamilton's return game just means they haven't scored a touchdown yet uh, because we're so used to seeing that happen week in, week out almost, it seems. But uh, for Hamilton, like, you just capitalized. And for Toronto, that's no chance. There's no chance that you can win a football game when you make those kind of errors. No, Hamilton, for me, Hamilton played their best game of the season so far. Toronto played their worst. They looked awful. Hamilton, however, you know, you said it, I said it. Coming out of the bye week, keep an eye on Hamilton because they're going to look a little bit different. They're going to make the adjustments. Coach O, have faith in Coach O. And then you add in the element of six straight on Labor Day and them not wanting to lose, them wanting to go for that seventh straight. Coach O, I believe, gets his 11th at home. Hamilton looked like a different team. They looked very good on both sides of the ball. Their defense looked incredible. They've been really coming into their own. But now, if you're Hamilton, Wade, my question for you is, are you rocking with Dane Evans as the starter now? Because he's 2-0, and and he played great again on Labor Day. Well, Masoli was not even dressed for this last game. So there's clearly something wrong with his ribs. I mean, he probably has some cartilage tear or a fracture or a crack somewhere. To me, whenever Masoli's healthy, you go back to him. But for right now, Dane Evans is doing what Dane Evans does, which is win games when Masoli is not available for the team. Um, I will say, though, quick little shot here. Coach Rolanda Steinauer is the only Coach O that I trust and respect, especially when it comes <laughs> to playing teams with light blue as one of their primary colors. Uh, yes, that is a shot at Coach Ed Orgeron, who said, uh, bring your sissy-ass blue shirts down here, and then proceeded to lose to an unranked Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. So, Go Tigers. Definitely. Uh, go Tigers. So, Did you see the shirts that they put out after that as well? Uh, yes, I saw the oh, Sissy Blue incredible. Jordan shirts. How incredible. can I, I de-age myself to be a high school recruit and go get a Jordan Sissy Blue shirt from UCLA? Like, How can we make this a thing? I don't know if anybody from UCLA is listening, but we'll just make this a UCLA fan podcast for like three straight weeks. If it you definitely give us is shirts. not going to be about J.J. Molson, though. <laughs> Hey, he is a former UCLA Bruin. I know. 50% of his kicks. He definitely will not support us if we asked him for a shirt. No. Uh, (laughs) But I love the Sissy Blue shirts. That was fantastic. Game was great, too. Connor's been on a heater in college football to start the year. Absolute Fortunately, not so much this last week. We'll get there in a second. We got one more game left. Calgary-Edmonton. Did you see Edmonton coming this sharp? Out of a bye week? 
No, absolutely Sorry, not. It's COVID week, not even yeah. a bye week. No, I was going to say like, yeah, yeah. Like the COVID thing. No, absolutely not. I did not see them coming out this strong. I don't think anybody did, especially when you lose a week of practice too, because they were virtual because of the COVID scare, right? So no, I really was stunned by how good Edmonton looked. They were getting guys engaged all over the field. Trevor Harris was two yards shy of 400. He threw four touchdown passes. James Wilder Jr. had a you know a slow first half, but then really turned it on midway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter. He had himself a very good back half of that game. And you know, I've been saying this all season, but Edmonton's secondary is scary fast, and they looked scary fast again in the Labor Day Classic in the Battle of Alberta against Calgary. My thing with Calgary, I tweeted this out on Tuesday, but dude, Calgary might be the best worst team I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm it's frustrating, right? Like, what is it? Their losses are all within a touchdown or less. Yeah, and... so they, they've lost by three, six, and two, barring the 12 point loss now to, to Edmonton, but they've lost by three points, six points, and two points. And listen to this too. 386 rush yards of 4.7 yards per carry average. They're averaging 12.4 yards per catch. Rookie Jake Meyer has thrown for 300 yards in all three of his first career starts now, which I believe is a, is a, a historic record here. And they're one in four. You know, you need to score in the red zone and you need your defense to hold to hold the other team to, you know, Trevor Harris can't go out and throw four touchdown passes, but this Calgary offense is ridiculous and they have the worst record in the CFL. Well, for Calgary Stampeders fans, all I know is this. Do not panic if this season finishes where you lose a bunch of one-score games because year in to year out in football, those are the trends that you see flip. You never, unless you're very poorly coached, you never lose that many by one score back-to-back years. Usually you flip about half of them. So for Calgary, if you take your lumps this year, just know that it will definitely get better the following year. I I have a like a very bold question to ask, but you know, let's say two two to three weeks down the line, Bo Levi Mitchell's ready to go. Jake Meyer has gone out and now thrown. You know, let's say next week he throws just shy of 200 or just shy of 300. Let's say he's in that 275 range following week. He is over 300. He's at three. Let's give him 310. Do you, are you comfortable just leaving Jake Meyer or do you go back to Bo Levi Mitchell? Who is to this point, Bo, uh, one of the most intercepted quarterbacks in the CFL. Bo, 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 Bo. Do I Bo again? Can I pick Bo one more time? Like, yeah, Jake Meyer's playing great, but do you want a former MOP or do you want a rookie as you make a playoff push? As you make the playoff push, I want Bo, but maybe if he's not quite 100% healthy. If he's healthy in three weeks, I give him one or two more. You don't start Bo until he's 100% healthy. But once he's 100%, there's no question. No, I'm saying if he's 100% healthy in the next two, three weeks, I maybe give him an extra week or two so that he's 115% healthy, especially if Jake Meyer is playing well. You're never getting over 100% healthy once you're in season. You know that as well as I do. 85 is 115. (laughs) 
No, I, I'm still going back to Bo, though. I, I He's your guy. Your team's built around him. He's the leader in the locker room. Don't keep him out any longer than you have to. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. I'm just trying to stir some crap up here. All right, let's go to where more shit got stirred up, which is your Connors covers from last week. Oh, God, they were bad. Unfortunately, your NCAA gambling lines don't, don't transition account. to this because you you went what like four or five and one last week. I went I went I went four and oh. Oh, I took Michigan to cover and they covered by a lot thanks to the electric singing of Mr. Brightside during that game. Go watch that video because 110,000 people screaming the lyrics to Mr. Brightside is exactly what you need in the middle of your week. Uh, and then I took I took the Georgia upset, I took the Army upset, and I took the UCLA upset. Courtesy of former Michigan Wolverine Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> Man, yeah, that might be I'm, – I'm never going to have a run like that, but to open a college football season, I'll take it. Well, let's talk about your CFO lines now. Do we what have happened? to? Can we keep talking about college? I mean, you crushed Ottawa. You got that one. Yeah, Check. but like – Come you on. got the Matt Nichols under check. <laughs> yeah. That one kind of kind of cheaply fell into your lap for that one. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take the wins where I can get them. But then you kind of fell apart after the Friday night. Oh, did I ever? I had a bad weekend. I missed on Saskatchewan because Winnipeg came out and absolutely dominated. I Told missed you. on Edmonton. Sorry, I missed on Calgary because Edmonton came out of nowhere. Nobody expected that. And then, you know, Toronto Hamilton. I took Toronto. I did. I shouldn't have done that because the Hamilton Tiger Cats have won 35 of like the well, I guess now 36 of the last 50 Labor Day games. It is kind of the Super Bowl. Yeah. But new week, new chance. We are recording on a Tuesday. So these lines are expected to move a lot leading into next week. Hamilton at Toronto. We've got three. Back end to the home of homes. Hamilton's a three and a half point favorite. Connor, are you sticking with the Argos at home now? Now I'm going to, yes, because we saw this exact same thing with Winnipeg earlier in the season. Toronto got absolutely boxed by Winnipeg in Winnipeg. They came back home, turned it around, had a great day, despite a very aggressive effort from that Winnipeg defense that I believe forced like three, three fumbles in that game. So I'm taking Toronto against Hamilton in this one. It's so hard to win these back-to-backs. Uh, Hamilton's going to be riding high. They look very good, but I think Toronto is going to be licking their wounds a little bit. They're going to come home, and they're not going to lose this one at home on the back-to-back. Catch one at Winnipeg, back end of the Banjo Bowl. Winnipeg now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We're expecting this one to move quite a bit, though. Where are you going? Yeah, I, I do expect this one to jump a little bit higher in favor of Winnipeg. Not much. It's it's at two and a half right now, which I think is pretty fair. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see it go to a three and a half or four point line. With that being said, I'm taking Winnipeg in this matchup. Uh, I'm siding with Wade finally. Uh, Winnipeg with Andrew Harris back with the way their defense is starting to play or has been starting to play. You know, Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeffcoats are probably the two most frightening players in the CFL right now. That backfield with Andrew Harris healthy looks great. You want to talk about wide receiver talent? Let's go to Winnipeg. Zach Caleros can 
pretty much close his eyes, throw the ball in the air, and somebody's going to come down with it. Uh, Saskatchewan, I, I still think they're a very good team across the league, a, a very good team in the West. But right now, I hate to agree with it because I've been so adamantly against it since week one. But yeah, Winnipeg, I think, uh, firmly is the team to beat in the West. Uh, props to Wade for sticking pat with his guys in the blue and gold. And if this line jumps to four points for Winnipeg, are you going to stay with the Blue Bombers or are you going to flip it? I'll stay. I, I think Winnipeg wins this game by a touchdown. So I if think it jumps it's to be a, six and a seven-point game. If it jumps to six and a half, Connor will stay on Winnipeg. If the line pushes all the way over seven in the next couple of days, go Saskatchewan, according to Connor. That's which I cannot see it happening. I I, really I don't can't. think it, it, I don't think it's going to move five points in less than no. a week. No, but I think the I think the max as much as the movement, four. yeah, yeah, as much of, as much movement as will go. Just so you guys are aware of that, uh, Calgary at Edmonton, Edmonton a one point favorite after their last week's win. I would I again another game where I would expect some movement in this line as well. Um, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked. In Edmonton now, I wouldn't be surprised to see this line go up to three, three and a half, around there somewhere. Uh, I don't see like five, five and a half point favorite for Edmonton at this point, uh, regardless of, of the score last week. Edmonton looked good. Uh, they've got, they seem to have got Calgary's number last week. I am going to go with Edmonton to cover Calgary at home. I'm going to pick Calgary on this one just so I can play devil's advocate and ride the Meyer train. BC at Ottawa. BC's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Dom Davis taking first-team reps in practice. Do you think it's enough to overcome seven points? No. No. Nope. Until proven otherwise, no. Uh, You know, BC... Their defense is a little bit questionable, but, you know, let's spend a minute here talking about potential rookie of the year, Jordan Williams, who's looked damn good so far in his CFL debut. BC on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Shaq Cooper is in the lineup now. They've got weapons all over the field. Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, do we need to say much more? Mike Riley has been throwing the ball great despite those elbow scares at the start of the season. And, you know, the back end of the defense in BC scares me a little bit, but it would scare me a little bit more if they were playing, say, a Hamilton, Montreal, Calgary type team where they can really stretch the field, throw the ball all over the place. But, you know, Ottawa, I haven't seen it yet. And yes, that's because we've seen Matt Nichols under center for the last four or five weeks. You know, Dom Davis has shown he's not afraid to take those shots downfield, but I just haven't seen cohesion from the Ottawa offensive unit. And that scares me a little bit, even against a weaker BC secondary. Uh, But yeah, no, I I think BC's ability to stretch the field is just going to be a little bit too much for Ottawa. I'm saying BC until proven otherwise with, with Ottawa. And you know, this very well could be the game. So don't follow my advice. Maybe bet, if you're looking for an underdog bet, this might be the week for Ottawa. And when we talk about the BC Lions, 
we're going to jump right into my value picks because I've got two players from this BC Ottawa game. Yeah, let us know. Take us to Value Village. We're all going that shopping. Money that I lost. Yeah, all the money I lost gets donated to Wade's Value Village Fund. So take us shopping, Wade. Jack Cooper, 14 attempts, 71 yards last time against Ottawa, added some receptions and receiving yards as well. At 5,614, great value for a starting running back. I'm cashing him onto my roster. And then we're going to go with Mr. Reliable, Nate Bahar. I mean, five passes caught for 57 yards, so 10 points. You're seeing him get more and more volume, and he's still super cheap, or $2,900 for Nate Bahar. So lots of cash to go around at bigger receivers like Jake Weineke when he's not on bye week or a Greg Ellingson. And then the third one, the Meyer train. This is game number four. We've seen the third game. Will I finally get burnt by Jake Meyer? I don't know because he's still 7,000. The rest of the starting quarterbacks are up over 10 and he still had 17 points in the loss last week. So Meyer, Bahar, Cooper, lock it in, check out, and let's head on to week six. I have a value question for you. I want to know how you feel about this guy because sitting at sitting at $2,500, he's somebody that I am very, very intrigued in trying to slot into my lineup somewhere. Tim White from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I want to know how you feel about him. He had six receptions for 93 yards and a touchdown against Toronto and against Montreal. He had three for 62 and he runs the rock a little bit. He's had two carries for 12 yards, but you know, obviously a feature wide receiver in the last two games for Hamilton at plus, sorry, at $2,500. How are you feeling about Tim white? If you want to try to slide, you know, maybe a, a low cost, high reward player in there. I'm staying away from Hamilton receivers currently. Uh, you saw Dunbar against Montreal. We know Ackland. Ungerer had a game. White, as you mentioned. Brandon Banks is still there. Addison should be coming back in a week or so. There's just so many options. Plus, the guys out of the backfield can all catch. There's just too much to – even Kalinich is getting in, involved in the passing game. So, for me, it – you might be able to find a bit better value. Like a lot of his yardage from last week against Toronto was that huge touchdown that he had. So I, it's just like, it's a lot of risk and reward because you're either going to get next to nothing or you're going to get a big play touchdown that nets you a lot of points. So I will stay away from him. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. You know, a guy pops off one week and then people run to try to grab him. I don't know how many people, I saw with Dunbar in their lineup this week. Um, I, I'm looking at him a little bit though, just for the just for the $2,500 value. But uh, you know, I think I think there's value to be had in other places, especially if you're rocking no defense. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stick with that formula. It seemed to have worked for me. I'm gonna try it out this week. We'll we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll let you know. But uh, I am thrilled to be heading into week six. Connor, what is the one thing that you want to see happen this week? This week, I am going back to the well of the Toronto Argonauts. I want to see them play a little bit of a cleaner game. I want to see them limit those penalties, not give up those big lost yards to, you know, 
an unsportsmanlike or an objectionable conduct or things like that, or an unnecessary roughness, whatever it may be, you know, limit the, the frustration penalties, limit the simple mistake penalties. Don't give up the yards that you gave up last week in penalties. Labor Day Classic is over. You don't have to try to be this, you know, tough guy, flex your muscles, starting fights before the game. Just play Argos football. You've been one of the better teams in, in terms of penalties up until the Labor Day Classic game. Go back to that. Don't try to be this aggressor, this intimidator, this agitator. Just play clean football, limit those penalty flags and, and mistakes. The one thing I want to see, I, I, I completely agree with you because mistake-free football is always so much better to watch and even penalty-free. Like If you're turning the ball over, that's fine. But if you have penalty after penalty, that's just awful. And it, it really out of character for the Argos. Um, the one thing I want to see though, I would like to see Cody Fajardo kind of get into more of a rhythm this week. I know I have Winnipeg and I've been on Winnipeg for a couple weeks, but <sighs> Fajardo just seemed out of sync last week. And I want to see him find that again, because I love it when they play ABBA in Mosaic stadium. And I want to get back to that. I know they're on the road this week, but it's a good start especially against the team that you know you're going to see at some point in the playoffs. So, Fajardo, get back in sync, get back in touch. Kyron Moore is starting to come alive more. Shaq Evans shouldn't be like a couple weeks away from coming back. So, hopefully you can just start to get in a bit of a rhythm and then hit your stride as we go down the back stretch of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Don't be afraid, as, as frightening as they are, as scary as they are as a defensive unit, don't be afraid of the Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeff code hits, get your rhythm, find your rhythm, be the Cody Fajardo that we've grown to love as fans, but it's going to be awfully tough against the defense as good as Winnipeg. Absolutely. And that closes out our week. It was a short week for us. Just the one episode. We'll be back next week though, with two for Connor and I, you guys know where to find us at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective. Thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy week six and all the home at homes. Also, enjoy the NFL kickoff tonight. Then we get a full slate of games followed by Monday night, the Las Vegas Raiders kicking off with fans in Allegiant Stadium. I'm excited for that one. And you absolutely know that we are going to be tracking Canadians in the NFL hard and or those CFL guys that have made their way over to the NFL, like everybody's favorite linebacker, Alex Singleton, or everybody's favorite quarterback, Chris Streveler. Ton of guys with CFL experience, ton of Canadians in the NFL now. We'll be back hitting those, those Canadians of the week or CFL players of the week very hard. We are very excited for the kickoff of the NFL season. We are even more excited for the kickoff of the OUA season, which is coming up as well. And why don't you, while you're at it, getting back into the game, why don't you let Fox 40 help you get back into the game with their fantastic products, like the tri-letter whistle mask, the electronic whistle, the new sonic blast whistle, the whistle gator, their coaching boards, their gear, so visit fox40shop.com 
and enter the code CFP15 while you're there for 15% off of your order. Again, that is CFP15 at box40shop.com, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all of the football going on. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.